Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. As we continue our efforts to probe a little bit beneath the surface of the first words of every bracha, we finally come to a word that would appear, at least at first glance, to be rather straightforward and simple. After having struggled a bit to understand, at least in context, the meaning of the word Baruch, Anatah, Hashem, and even Elokeinu, we come now to a word that we are very familiar with that would seem to require no explanation whatsoever. The word, of course, is Melech, which means king. Every bracha begins with a formula that we refer to as Shem Umalchos. Shem, of course, refers to the Shem Hashem, which we spent some time exploring and discussing together. And Malchus, of course, is a reference to the phrase Melech Olam. And today, let's just focus very simply on the word Melech. Again, Melech would seem on the surface is a very, very straightforward, simple word. We know what it means. The word king, which is a familiar concept to each and every one of us, is something that we can relate to, it's something that we can visualize, and of course, it is a word which appears in many forms throughout our tefillos constantly. Of course, there's a particular time of year, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, in which we focus almost exclusively on the concept of Malchios, but every day, not only within the context of the recitation of the bracha, we recite this word, Melech, that you, Hashem, are our king. Now, I know that we can all relate to the concept of a king, because the Gemara in Brachos, Daphimunches, tells us that Malchus da'ara ke'en Malchus Rikiah. The fact that there are mortal human beings who serve in the capacity of king gives us, as the Gemara, a little bit of a taste, that gives us a little bit of a sense as to what Malchus Rikiah means. Now, of course, the Gemara is not suggesting that there is any parallel whatsoever between a human king and the Melech Malchai Hamlachim, but the Gemara does seem to be suggesting that we do have within this world concrete evidence of the existence, the concept of Malchus, which enables us and assists us in our efforts to understand. At the same time, it would seem that that fact in and of itself may be less relevant to us today. But Vobi in the Sefer Ali Shur points out that we now live in a time in history where, perhaps for the first time, there are very, very few examples, concrete examples that we can look towards of Malchus in the world. There was a time in history where the world was ruled by individuals, whether they were true dictators and they ruled uh, with cruelty, ruthlessly subjugating the people who were under their rule to harsh treatment, or perhaps they were a little more kind and compassionate. The idea that one individual could decide single-handedly what will be the fate of an individual, a family, a group of people, an entire community, an entire province. This is something which was unique, for the most part, to the days of old. And Revolbi points out that over the course of modern history, we have seen a shift. And we see that we have gone from a place where there were kings everywhere to where there were very few kings. And we think about it today, most of us, when we think about the concept of Malchus, so our minds and our attention go towards, let's say, the British monarchy, which is certainly, uh, perhaps on a certain level, at least externally, maybe it gives us a little sense of what it means to be Malchus and the, 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 the royal palace and the garb. But at the end of the day, the individuals themselves do not hold power above and beyond anyone else within the land. And so therefore, Volby points out that this change was something which was quite significant. Because for most of our history, when we were able to say the word Melech, we could understand immediately what that means. We could relate to the concept that there is another who completely controls every aspect of my life. And now we've come to this strange place in history where the world, at least the world in which we live in, here in the U.S., in Israel, and in virtually all democratic lands throughout the country, 
The people are, in fact, the rulers. The people elect their leaders. And even in the U.S., where, let's say, the president has power above and beyond, and he can go ahead and issue an executive order, we have a system in place which enables us to elect new leaders if we are dissatisfied with the ones that we have. So Rabobi wonders, what's going on over here? If it is true, as Chazal tell us, the Machus of the Arakein, Machus of the Rakia, why is it that we now find ourselves at a time in history in which we really would be hard-pressed to find a Melech anywhere that we can relate to? And he says that this is unfortunately a reflection of how far we have grown distant from Avinu Sheba Shemayim, or more, I guess more precisely, Melech Machei Hamlachim. That when, in fact, there is a genuine sense of Amuna, when people relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as being Melech, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides us with concrete examples of what exactly that looks like and that means. And this is meant to enhance our understanding. It gives us a better sense internally as to what it means when we say the word Melech. When, unfortunately, we grow more distant from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when there has been a break in that amuna and our faith and our connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's being Melech is something that has become weaker over time. So unfortunately, that reflects itself, explains Volbi, within the world in which we live in as well. And suddenly, the concept of a Melech is an idea that is really, really hard to relate to. It's hard to connect to. Now, says Revolbi, none of this makes our lives easier when it comes to davening. Because again, if the goal of davening is to be able to say words, understand what they mean, and then more importantly, connect to them, relate to them, feel that these words bring me closer to the Rabboni Shalom. So when I stand here in Teaneck, New Jersey, and I say the word Melech, what am I thinking? What in my own experience, what in my own life can I look towards, can I connect to, which helps me understand, which helps me appreciate, which serves to illustrate this concept of Melech? And the answer is, unfortunately, not much. We have to be rather creative. And so therefore, on the surface, it would seem that the word melech is a very, very simple, a very straightforward word, and each and every one of us can understand what it means, and we don't have to really, really spend a lot of time defining the word. That is all true. However, we have to understand and appreciate that we are at a great disadvantage, that whereas perhaps generations ago, it would have been very easy for anybody, even a young child, to say the word melech and immediately know exactly what that means and feel a sense of just being completely overwhelmed, feeling powerless in the hands of one's ruler, this is something that doesn't come natural to us. It's something which is very foreign to us, and we have to, at least at the very, the very least, recognize that. We have to understand that we are a disadvantage. I'm not suggesting that we should give up all efforts to understand exactly what Melech means and should try to connect to it, but we should understand that in modern times, it is more difficult than it used to be to understand and to appreciate the concept of melech. That every bracha which begins with shame umalchus, the malchus part is something which we struggle with a bit. As a concluding thought for today, I would say that perhaps we can understand and appreciate this challenge and the tension even a little more if we take a closer look at how the Torah itself introduces the concept of having a king. The Torah tells us in Parsha Shoftim, Ki la'aretz asher Hashem lach, when you come to the land of Israel, the land that God gives you, and you will settle the land and you will conquer it, Va'amarta, and you will say, Asima alai melech asher The Jewish people says, we want a king also. All the nations around us have a king. We also want a king. Says the Torah, Som tasim alecha melech asher yivchar Hashem bo. The Torah says very clearly and very decisively 
Som tosim alecha melech, which means you shall surely appoint for yourselves a king. This king will be selected by God. But yes, if this is what you want, so your request has been granted. So the Torah is very clear, with virtually no ambiguity, that having a king, even if it is to be, you'll forgive me, like the nations around us, that is something which is sanctioned by the Torah. The problem, which many of the Mepharshim ask, is that when we take a look in Sefer Shmuel, where the Navi records the appointment of the first king of Shaul HaMelech, so the circumstances that precipitated that appointment lead us to believe that perhaps there is some controversy as to whether or not we should or should not have a king. The Navi tells us in the 8th chapter of Sefer Shmuel that all the people gathered, or more specifically, Vayiskapsu kol Yisrael, the leaders, the elders of Israel gathered, and they came to Shmuel. Vayomrelov, and they said to him, they said, Shmuel, you know, you're getting older. And unfortunately, your sons are not following in your path. Appoint for us, provide us with a king who can rule us like all the nations. And the Navi goes on to tell us something that is rather surprising. This matter became very upsetting, very distressing to Shmuel Hanavi. For some sort of guidance, some direction, some relief. Shmuel was, it seems, from the Pasuk, incredibly frustrated. He was distressed and really angered by the fact that the people had the goal to go ahead and ask for a king. And this is very strange, because on the surface, the people are doing over here exactly what the Torah foretells and seems to permit them to do. The Torah, again, in Pasha Shoftim, says very clearly, when you come into the land of Israel and you request a king, and now this is playing out in real time, Shmuel Anavi, almost predictably, we could have seen this coming, is there, and the people come to him and they say, give us a king, and this matter becomes very upsetting to Shmuel Anavi. So how do we understand this? What's going on over here? So I'll tell you very briefly, and with this we'll end, the approach of the Kliyakar. There are many, many different explanations to this question, and I encourage you to explore this a little bit on your own. But the Kliyakar's commentary in Pasha Shoftim says that if you take a look at the Pesukim very clearly in Pasha Shoftim and compare them to the Pesukim Shmuel, you'll be able to solve this puzzle, and it'll help us refine our own thinking when we are trying to daven properly and relate to the word Melech. Says the Kliyakar, take a very close look at what it says in Pasha Shoftim. It says, when you come to the land of Israel, and you will say, place upon us a king. And the Torah says, Yes, you should appoint upon yourselves a king. But if you take a look in Sefer Shmuel, that's not what they said. They said, Says the Kliyakar, the Torah says, you want a king who will be appointed over you. You want a king who will be able to guide you and instruct you and when necessary, discipline you and will set limits, and will introduce law and order, so that you will have no choice but to sort of abide by the rulings, and the decisions, and the positions of that king? Wonderful! Som tosim olecha melech. Of course, a king should be appointed over you. But that's not what they said. In the days of Shmuel, they said, Tuna lanum melech l'shavteinu. Provide us a king. And says the Kliyakar, as if they were saying, we want to be the ones who are in charge. We want to control the king. We want to have the benefits of the king. We want to look like all the other nations. And we want to say, Ooh, look at our king. Aren't you impressed? But ultimately, it's Tna Lanu Melech. And so therefore says the Kliyakar, they, their perspective was all skewed. They had it all backwards. 
they weren't following what it says in the Torah, where it says, Som tosim olecha melech, rather it was t'nalanu. And with this, I believe, we can conclude today's discussion with a little bit of an insight, a concrete insight as to where exactly we need to alter our thinking. So often in life, we think about our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as one that is, it's, it's about us. We are the ones that are at the center of our lives. We see ourselves in the middle, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there certainly to support us and to provide for us and to inspire us and to guide us. And of course, we understand on a certain level that we are completely and totally dependent upon His will, but we see ourselves at the center. And what we see is that it's true, as Chazal tell us, that Machusad Ka'ara Ke'in Machusad that kings down here on earth are supposed to provide us with an example, an illustration of what it means, Machusad so it's really all the other way around. The king should be at the center. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Melech Machayim Lachim, he is at the center. And we have to sort of remove ourselves and stand at the periphery and look in. And that provides us with an opening to understand and appreciate what Malchus really means. We're going to talk about this, Bezos Hashem, a little more practically and in depth next week. But at least for the moment, let us understand and appreciate that this word Melech that appears in every single bracha, while it may seem on the surface to be rather straightforward, easy to understand, yet we know what that word means. Let's just go on to the next one. We just have to slow down and realize that even the word Melech is a word that particularly in our generation may be very, very difficult to relate to. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.